This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope that you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. We better get into the Word of God quickly. You're all right, we'll have you out in good time. Don't worry about it. You're all looking a wee bit worried, aren't you? All right, book of Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness, unless Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand nor to the left, that you may, be, that you may prosper whatever you, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Being the first Sunday of the new year, I am conscious of the fact that each year brings with it its own unique different set of special circumstances. Each year has new challenges. New challenges lay ahead of all of us, both individually and corporately as a church. New steps of faith will have to be taken. And if we are to possess our promised land, it will take much faith. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses, the mighty man of God, He's 120 years old and he is telling his people that he will no longer be able to lead them into victory. But that God has appointed a successor. Joshua would now be the new commander-in-chief. And of course Joshua had been groomed for this specific job for a long time. He was with Moses in the captivity and all through those years of wandering in the wilderness. And though, even though he was a soldier and a great soldier, but certainly not uh, on the scale of Moses, who was a great leader of men. He was devout and he was godly, one who feared God, but again, not on the exact level as Moses, as one who saw God face to face, as it were, whereas Joshua would have to go through a priest to bring his offering. He was by Moses' side for many, many years, but he was under his shadow. And what a shadow Moses cast. What big shoes to fill. But a new day was dawning for Israel and for Joshua. 
Jordan had to be crossed. Much land had to be possessed. There's many battles to face. Canaanites, Jebusites, Hittites, wall cities, giants. And suddenly the, the enormity of the responsibility that was now coming upon Joshua's shoulders, he began to feel that. And even though it was exciting, yet it was scary. Moses, the highly gifted, the larger-in-life charismatic figure, is no more. Now both Joshua and Israel will have to be without his towering presence among them. And so God speaks to Joshua and he says something similar that Moses said in Deuteronomy 31. In verse 6 he says, Be strong and of good courage. In verse 7, only be strong and be very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. Old F.B. Meyer said he must have felt weak for God said, be strong. He must have felt afraid for God said, be courageous and not be afraid. He must have felt not up to the task for God said, be not dismayed. But above all that God said, verse 5 is the most important thing. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. What an encouragement that must have been. He had been by Moses' side all those years. He had seen the interventions of God many, many times. And now God is telling him, you're going to have to lead this people into the promised land, but don't worry, don't be afraid, don't fret. Fear not, because I'll be with you as I was with Moses. And so today as we step out into a new year, new challenges, Everything is temporal in this world. It's all subject to change. New beginnings, unknown events, seen and unforeseen, faith ventures, a year of giants to conquer, of walled cities to overcome. But here's God's promise to every one of us this morning. As I was, so I will be. As God was as faithful to you last year, he'll be as faithful this year. As God was as good to meet your need last year, he'll be as good to meet your need this year. He never changes. And as he was, so he will be. Now God leads us from the past into the future. Joshua was in that position where he could look back in retrospect and he could look forward in prospect. He could see the hand of God in his life in the past and he could look forward with faith to see the hand of God in his life in the future. He had proven God to be faithful. Every single one of us here this morning that knows and trusts Christ has proven God to be faithful. There's been situations that I don't have to enumerate them. You know and we all know where you are today, situations that you faced that was horrendous, that would have crushed lesser people. But God was faithful to you through it all. And he gave you the strength and the courage and the grace to be able to handle it. Thank God he did. 
Moses said in Deuteronomy 7, 9, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. David said in Psalms 36, verse 5, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 109, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.19, Wherefore let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. The writer of the Hebrews in 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. In Revelation 19.11, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. What wonderful names for our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful and true. So God leads us from the past into the future. And as he was for us in the past, so he will be in our future. We have nothing to fear in our future, friends, this morning. Nothing. If God is for us, who can be against us? No matter what happens, we are in God's hands. Ah, you say, but what about those People who, in that airplane you talked about a little while ago, who all died. Listen, the ones who trusted Christ, instantly they were taken into the presence of Jesus. And what could be better than that? What could be greater than that? God leads us from the past into the future. God leads us from the known into the unknown. And this is where faith is required. In Genesis chapter 12, it tells us about Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your father and from your father's house to land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and, all your, and, all, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they that gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Cana. And so it came, so they came to the land of Cana, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as Terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram, said, To your descendants I will give this land. And he built an altar to the Lord, and appeared that he appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built an altar to the Lord and called in the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. In Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that Abraham left by faith, not knowing where he was going. 
He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. What a step. You have to understand that Abraham, or Abram as he was then, before God changed his name, you have to understand that he was brought up in a pagan land, in a pagan household. That's all he ever knew. All those years, that was all he ever knew until God broke through in his life and totally and radically changed him forever. And so God called him out of that, everything he'd ever known, his land, his culture, all of that that he'd ever grown up with, God told him to leave all of it behind and to step out in faith, not knowing where he was going. At least at that point, he had no idea. And just be led of God from the known into the unknown. It takes faith to allow yourself to be led by God from the known into the unknown. But what a journey. What a journey that is. Moses, when he was 40 years old, and he killed that Egyptian who was hurting a Hebrew. And Moses, for 40 years, had grown up in the household of Pharaoh's daughter. He dressed like an Egyptian. You can be sure he spoke Egyptian. He ate like an Egyptian. But his heart was a Hebrew. Remember, his mother had taught him as a little child. And even though, more or less, all he knew was in Egypt, and now he's 40, and suddenly, overnight, he's got to leave all of that, and he's got to go out. And he ends up in the wilderness of Midian, looking after sheep for the next 40 years. 40 years is a long time, isn't it? It's a long time to be looking after sheep. And all of that stuff that he had understood and he had known and he had been brought up in was all away a distant memory. He's 80 years old now. And suddenly he has that exciting, awesome experience at the burning bush where God meets him and tells him to go back to Egypt. And what he's to do when he goes back to Egypt. And so here he is now, what he knows is looking after sheep. That's all he's done for 40 years. Now God tells him, I'm going to take you back into the unknown. It's not that the Egypt was unknown because he had 40 years there at the start. It's not even the palace was unknown because he lived in it. But what he had to do when he got there was unknown to him. It was a big step, and he wasn't that keen to do it, actually. But he'd have to go, and he'd have to face Pharaoh, this particular Pharaoh. And he'd have to say, let my people go. And it was going to require great courage and faith to do this. He had never been in this position before. He had never had to face Pharaoh this way before. He never had to go as a warrior and as a great leader to say, I'm going to take our people out of this land. I wonder if this incoming year, God may lead you from the known into the unknown. Peter, James, and John were fishermen. That's all they'd ever known. 
As little boys, no doubt they went out with their daddies in the fishing boats, just watching, listening, learning. But as they grew up into adulthood, they took on the business of their fathers. They were professional fishermen. It's all they ever knew. Never trained in anything else like their fathers before them and probably their grandfathers before that. They were steeped in it. They were dyed in the wool fishermen. And suddenly, Jesus comes into their life. Now, they were godly men. They were men, no doubt, who knew scriptures. They weren't rabbinically trained, but they knew scripture. There'd be men who would go to the synagogue. But suddenly, Jesus comes into their life and says, come, follow me. And they had to lay down everything they ever knew. Their business, all of that knowledge they had, all of that hard work over many years that they had built up, they had to leave everything and step out into the unknown. What does he mean by fishers of men? We know how to fish for fish, but what does he mean fishers of men? This is all new to us. This is something we're going to have to learn. And let me tell you, they got a three-year crash course, didn't they? They had a lot of learning to do. They had a lot of unlearning to do, as well as learning. I wonder, is God going to lead you into the unknown this year? It's not that it's unknown to Him. It's just unknown to you. And if you remember that, you'll be okay. It may be unknown to us, and it may sound scary for us, but not to him. If he's leading us, he's already there. He's already there. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, I'm trying my best to cut this down a little bit. Sorry, Deuteronomy 32, I meant to say. Deuteronomy 32, verse 11. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up and carrying them on its wings. That little baby eaglet in that nest is so comfortable. It's warm. It's friendly. Downy feathers is all around it. Mother eagle on top of it. It's cocooned and feathers. All it has to do is squawk and its mother feeds it. All it does for weeks on end is eat and sleep, eat and sleep, eat and sleep. Some of you would love that, wouldn't you? Just get out of bed and eat, get back into bed, and get out of bed and eat, back into bed. <laughs> That's the nesting stage. 
That's the comfort zone. And we love the comfort zone, don't we? We love the familiar. We love to be in the nesting stage where everything is known. Even if it's all we know, we're comfortable with that. We can handle that. But there comes a day when that little baby eagle has got to get out of that nest. And this is the protesting stage because it doesn't want to get out. It wants to stay there. It's warm. It's friendly. It's comfortable. It gets fed on the hour. What could be better than that? Who would want to leave that? And that little eagle doesn't want to leave. So it starts to protest because the mother is nudging it. The mother wants to get it out of that nest. And it starts to protest. And so the mother starts to break up the nest. Starts to pluck out all those downy bed of feathers. And it's prickly. And it doesn't like that. And it's protesting. So it's squawking a lot more now. Do you ever get to that protesting stage? The Holy Spirit is convicting you and the Holy Spirit is nudging and leading you to get out of the nest, but the nest is comfortable. I know the nest. This flying business I haven't tried yet. And so it's a bit scary. And we protest and we argue. Moses said, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. I really couldn't go and speak to Pharaoh because I, you know I'm not really a good speaker. God says, that's okay, I'll get Aaron to speak for you. But you're going anyway. So we protest, don't we? We find reasons not to get out of the nest. But that little eagle has to get out of the nest. And so the mother begins to bring it up. That's the protesting stage. And then there's the acquiescing stage. Where finally, that little eagle gets onto the mother's wing and the mother takes off. And it's holding on for grim death. Those little talons are digging in to the mother's big feathered wings. It's like surfing <laughs> and it's scared to fall off. But that big eagle takes it out there and it soars around. And that little eagle's holding on. It's surrendering. It's holding on, but it's surrendering. It has no other choice, has it? It's not in the nest anymore. <laughs> it's on the mother's wing. It has to surrender. It has to hold and surrender and obey what the mother's doing with it. And then suddenly, the mother just drops the wing and that little eagle falls off. And boy, now it's flapping its wings. <laughs> now it's flapping like crazy. And it's flapping and flapping and flapping. And it's dropping like a stone. And it thinks it's going to hit the deck. And suddenly that big mother eagle swoops in and lifts it back up onto the wing again. <sighs> it breathes a sigh of relief. <laughs> then it drops it again. And it falls again. And it's flapping like mad. And this time, it's getting a little bit of air below the wings. And this time, it's not panicking like it did the first time. But it's still going down, down, down. The mother swoops in again and lifts it up. Now it knows what's coming the next time. And sure enough, the mother drops the wing. And this time, it starts to flap. And this time, this is the cresting stage. And this time, 
its wings folded up. And now it relaxes. It can fly. This is what it was born for. This is what it was born for, to fly. And it can fly. Maybe this year, maybe God will put you through those stages. But if it's what you're born for, if it's his will for you, you'll be able to fly. You think God's just going to drop you to see you crash and burn? I don't think so. Yes, you'll make mistakes. Yes, you'll fail. Yes, you'll do all those things. But he'll be underneath. Underneath us is the everlasting arms. And he'll not let you crash and burn. He'll keep lifting you up and you'll be able to fly. As I was, so I will be. God leads us from the promise to the fulfillment. It truly was a promised land. A land that was promised. And all the promises that God said about that land were all true. It truly was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the best land. And God led them from the promise to the fulfillment. In 1 Kings 8, 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. You need to underline that at least mentally. There has not failed one word of all his good promise. You and I make promises that sometimes we're not able to fulfill. We mean well. We hope to. But through circumstances or one reason or another, we find we fail to make that promise good. But God's not like that. He has got the wherewithal to do it. He's got the ability to do it. If he promises something, you can be sure he cannot fail in what he has promised if we trust him. And believe him. Paul said in Romans 4.21. And being fully convinced. That what he had promised. He was also able to perform. Peter calls God promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. (laughs) Exceeding great and precious promises. That by these we become partakers of the divine nature. Finally, briefly, God leads us from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from victory to victory. God's plan is onwards and upwards. And there may be some dips in that chart But when we go with God from A to B, it's going to be onwards and upwards. From victory to victory. From glory to glory. From grace to grace. And there's loads of scriptures suitable to that that I don't have time to go into this morning. So here's the thing, beloved, today. In 2015, here's God's promise. 
as I was, so I will be. Did you trust him last year? Trust him this year. Was he faithful last year? He'll be faithful this year. Did he come through for you last year? He'll come through for you this year. Was he good to his word last year? He'll be good to his word this year. As I was, so I will be for you in 2015. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we live in a, a scary world, a world that is subject to sudden and catastrophic changes without a moment's notice. Lord, where would we be today except that we're in your will? We thank you that that gives us confidence and assurance. Knowing that you're looking out for us that your plans for us are good. They're not evil. You plan to give us a hope in the future. So we thank you for that today. And bless you for all your promises. Your word is full of promises. And we thank you that you can give them to us. And so we're going to trust you this year. And Lord, you may lead us from that known to the unknown, but we're going to trust you because you never fail. And so, Lord, we're going to look into this year and say, Lord, every single day, give us this day our daily bread. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We're just going to walk day by day in your will and in your presence. So we give you the honor and the glory for all that you've done for us in these past years. For your faithfulness to us. For your kindness towards us. But above all, we thank you for saving us. For redeeming us. For shedding your precious blood for us and giving us this new life in Christ. So we bless you for all these things. Lord, I do pray for this congregation. I do pray for this family of God here in Moira. I pray, Lord, that you'll prosper and bless, that you'll guide and protect. And Lord, that you will give mighty breakthroughs, mighty breakthroughs, Lord, in their lives. Promises, Lord, may they come true this year. Thank you for your word. We stand upon it, believing in it, and trusting you through it. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or even download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.